I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide. Ireland's second World Cup match is almost upon us and that means the team has been announced so joining us on the line from Japan to discuss it all is Jonathan Bradley. Hello Jonathan. Hi guys, how are you? Not too bad at all Jonathan, how are you getting on? Tell us all about your um, your escapades over in the land of the rising sun. My escapades? Well I'm currently sat in Fukuoka in the middle of a uh... I don't know how to describe it really. Um, in the middle of a, a stadium built into a forest, possibly. It's uh, it's very green. It's very uh, very picture ski. Okay. <laughs> so I'm here obviously because uh, Pete Nelson is well, 45 minutes away from making his World Cup bow. He's actually just doing some some keepy uppies with uh, with a rugby ball in front of me here. So <laughs> I uh, braved the uh, the four and a half five hour uh, train journey this morning to to come down. And that, looking forward to this game. That is the four and a half hour train journey to go and watch Pete Nelson. That is bigger commitment than any other human being has ever shown to Pete Nelson, I would imagine. You know, the fact of the matter is anybody can go to the Ireland Press Conference, but what people, what our listeners want is the latest with Pete Nelson. Let's be honest. Amen. Couldn't, couldn't agree anymore. World Cups are all about finding those unique angles. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, kind of come down for that. The Canadian Union have been very, very accommodating. So did I, my late accreditation. So did I, an interview afterwards, hopefully. So, uh, yep, uh, worthwhile job. Also, like when I'm sent a four and a half hour train ride, it's like it's a 12 hour drive or something. The Japanese wow. train system is just unbelievable. It's yeah. like the equivalent distance of pulling the carry and back again, but on wow. the Japanese trains because they have these hyper fast bullet trains. Just takes four and a half hours. Yeah, so Canada obviously up against Italy. The the well, Canada are going to be up against it in every game they play. I would imagine. Yeah, well, look, I mean, obviously, along with Pete, uh, DTH, Randa Merva, Tyler Argon, Jeff Foster, three players um, that would be familiar to fans of the Pro 14 from uh, from their time in Wales. But it is obviously a huge ask in this group. You know, they've got the All Blacks and. Um, I think they play the All Blacks on Tuesday or something, so uh, particularly uh, Polish and Turner out, obviously, as well. But yeah, Wednesday Italy it is. Just, uh, Wednesday, um, Italy just off the back of having beaten Namibia, made a whole host of changes for this one. Um, no Sergio Parise, though he is out there running around here for the warm ups. So um, I'm expecting it to be an interesting enough one. Um, Obviously, Mario Minossi's playing fullback for Italy, so that's always exciting. But mm. at the end of the day, by the time anybody hears this podcast, this game will be over. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. we should probably move on to things more Ireland, I guess. Yeah, what people were not expecting when they tuned this, in this podcast was a, an at-length discussion of Canada's World Cup prospects. <laughs> but really, for Pete, I suppose the, the most important thing for him will probably be coming through this game unscathed and making sure he starts against the All Blacks. Yes, absolutely, because um, that's obviously a dream come true for anyone to play the World Cup against the All Blacks. And uh, to be playing South Africa then later in the tournament as well, 
just at all unbelievable. It's just like it's a terrible draw for Italy because they're now never going to go through. But if you're a team like Canada, who was the best world in the world, aren't going to go yeah. through anyway. Yeah. It's a dream. Like, so, Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully it comes through on skates. Yeah. And not just because if he doesn't, then I don't get to interview him afterwards. <laughs> um, a long way back. <laughs> Yes, it would be. It'd be horrendous. Um, so on to Ireland then. So the big news for for us, uh, in Ulster was that Rory Best is somehow starting again six days after playing eighty minutes. Nobody really saw this coming, did we? No. Um, I didn't expect like wholesale changes or anything, but I expected just a bit more rotation. Um. But I guess the thing with it is they're really just trying to focus on these first two games because with the rest of the world, as physical as Russia are going to be and as, um, I was going to say dangerous as it can be, but uh, that's maybe being a bit literal after some of their tackles against uh, <laughs> against Russia. Um, I think Ireland probably think that no matter what combination of their 31-man squad, they've been out there for those two games, they're going to win. Mm. Like if they win on Saturday... They're as good as one the group really haven't they so mm-hmm. with the exception of Corey for Sexton obviously mm-hmm. this is actually probably a closer team to Ireland's full strength unit than we saw on Saturday just yeah. with um, you know Rob Carney and Keith Earls coming back in there mm-hmm. um, so it's for me look I think it's going to be enough to get it, enough to get the job done certainly but um as I'm sure we'll talk about, it's obviously the biggest game of Jack Hardy's career by uh, mm. by some distance. Yeah, before we get on to that, um, what does this say about Rory Best's fitness? I think it was on the, the Left Wing podcast, the guys were talking about how Rory hadn't missed a session all summer, basically, uh, that he was just one of the top performers fitness-wise, and I suppose this is, the proof is in this pudding that um, he's starting again. Well, he says that he feels as good as he ever has physically. And I suppose if you're thinking about it in terms of his motivation, like I genuinely think Rory probably would have retired last year if this World Cup wasn't this year. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, this has been his goal. He said that before. He even said that if the World Cup had been somewhere else, he maybe would would have made him think differently about retirement. But just the desire to sort of be here, Mm -hmm. be in Japan, experience this give it one last go on from an Irish perspective obviously trying to make a bit of history as well um, I'm sure it's not his primary concern but if he would have had you know the first victorious captain in a World Cup quarterfinal the CV that already boasts so many firsts I think his achievements mm-hmm. as skipper of the side would end up being there probably already are but undoubtedly on parallel if that would happen so I think mm-hmm. he's really really going for it he's really trying to give it a crack and mm-hmm. we saw that performance on Saturday when I was watching the game back. It was a great, uh, great pick bit on the ref, Mike, after about 75 minutes when the referee Wayne Barnes turns to him and goes, why are you still here? <laughs> um, obviously, he's seen, uh, seen that scandal on the touchline and just assumed that everyone's going to come off. But he was, um, he was asked if he was surprised to go to the 80. Um, Today at Ireland's press, which I was, and uh, Joe Schmidt quickly entered the act and say, surprise, I think shocked is more the word. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so 
I'd say I was probably a bit surprised to be going again six days later, but uh, maybe maybe it was always part of the plan. Plan we don't know, obviously. Um, but yeah, I would say that we can <laughs> for definite say that he's not going to play against Russia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All this fitness thing is just music to Bambridge's ears whenever he continues on to play club rugby for the next three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Anderson and Jacob Stockdale both starting then just as you were saying it's a, a very are you surprised at the the strength of this team as you say with the back uh, the back line as well it's um, probably the strongest that we've seen so far yeah whenever the fixtures came out I uh, would have expected a really strong team but just um, sorry the locals are going absolutely mental here I don't know whether you can pick this up but they're doing <laughs> some really. sort of fan cam that's causing everyone to clap so if, uh, if you get a lot of background noise that's, that, that's what's going on um, yeah so whenever the fixtures came out I, I thought it looked tailor made to go strong for two and then a uh, sort of mismatch for mm-hmm. the for the next two to give everybody a rest but just the way that Joe Schmidt was speaking post match after the scholar game where he sort of brought up the turnaround time and lamented the fact that they only have six days mm especially with a few players having come off after HIAs, it obviously takes um, six days to pass the protocol or pass through the protocols then um, if they had a failed their HIA which they had in the end actually passed their HIA, mm-hmm. HIA too so they were training on um, Tuesday mm-hmm. but just the, the way he was really hammering home that point about the short turnaround times at World Cup and the fact that how quickly these first three games we're going to see because obviously six days between the first one but only then uh, what five days until the next one so um, that sort of I think gave everyone an inkling that he was going to uh, rotate a bit more than he has but at the end of the day he's been the one that's designed or in conjunction with the strength and conditioning coaches has designed their preseason and tailored everything to really have them pick in for these two games, I think, puts, as I say, safe in the knowledge that uh, they think they're going to beat uh, mm-hmm. Samoa and Russia yeah. in the same vein as um, sort of that middle test of a November series where you see so many changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jack Hardy coming in for Johnny Sexton, the devil got any more info just on, uh, should, should we be worried about Johnny Sexton's injury? Sort of use on your followers or your kicking, so mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a massive concern, but it is something to monitor, certainly. Mm-hmm. And a huge day for Jack Carty. He just made his Ireland debut earlier this year, and he gets the nod ahead of Joey Carberry. Yeah. Um, when you think of this as somebody, that, that probably when they didn't, um, didn't get capped in 2018, uh, certainly on the third day of Australia, you probably thought that that was their World Cup call. But came in during the Six Nations, impressed in the cameos that he got. See people thinking that he should have got more time given um, see Johnny Saxon's off-colour performances. So, um, you know, it's it's a big game for him. He needs to play well, but the benefit for him is that he's surrounded by the first-choice players as well, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And given what he, he did on Sunday there you just should have every confidence that he will uh, come in and, and impress yeah I thought he played well on Sunday I thought he varied things up quite um, quite well now obviously it was at a time when the game was gone essentially but um, for me really with the exception of um, you know a few games in the summer when there was probably still still a fair bit of rust um, he's been impressive for me whenever he's played for Ireland in those Six Nations games, as I say again, um, again against Scotland. So, uh, plus, look, he's been absolutely flying form for Connell in the Pro 14. I don't think he's as good a player as Joey Carberry. I don't think um, he'll get near as many caps as Joey Carberry does in the end, but I also think that he's probably capable of leading the side to a win over... Uh, I went over Japan. Mm-hmm. The other interesting aspect of this team that maybe wasn't immediately obvious to somebody who just looks down the, the team sheet, sees the back row unchanged, okay, fine. But uh, as you're going to tell us, it wasn't supposed to be that way. No, so uh, Jack Conan would have played um, rather than Peter Omani, if not for an injury in um, an injury in training this morning. So um, the, the initial team that was picked I suppose sort of favoured the continuity if you like mm. and gone with the guys that had trained all week Peter Manny as we say had to pass through the HIA test before he could uh, before he could rejoin training so it was going to be Jack Conan in the back row along with CJ Sander and Josh Van der Flyer until uh, um, somebody stood in his foot apparently in training this morning so uh that's what's done for his progress. Okay, and we don't know anything about sort of the, the severity of that. Well, I suppose it doesn't sound overly serious, but... No, I, w- I wouldn't have thought so. I think if you look at all the team selections so far in this World Cup, maybe it'll change come the quarterfinals, but um, basically, yeah, I think Ireland have gone back to the... If they don't train fully during the week, um, they're not playing come the weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. Chris Farrell comes in to start opportunity for him given what happened in the the first game as well is this an opportunity for him to seal even a, a starting spot in a quarter final look it's going to be really interesting because um he played really well i thought um so i think it was eight, eight tackles without a miss um so it was solid he provided the same line speed that you were getting from bundy Yagi before he went off and then obviously just that sort of extra bit of uh, skill that we saw with his uh, it's just absolutely outrageous offload mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that uh, could, could have brought a try. We were speaking to him during the week, actually, and he said that when 
whenever he was watching the video, he decided that he should have actually kicked it through rather than um, rather than going for the offload. But I think we're getting uh, we're going to forgive him. But yeah, he was going for the social media fame with that one. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Rightly so. So. This is the last game where Ireland can really mess up the, the group stage campaign, but even trying to ramp this up as a competitive contest is a bit much, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure you've uh, spoken to the, the Japanese players at all this week, because they're, uh, they're all very confident. Okay. Uh, we, even had, we even had a scoreline prediction um, yesterday. What was that? It's uh, uh, 30... Exactly. Um, where we're pretty much talking, um, you know, we already know, barring a massive upset somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, that it's going to be Ireland against South Africa. So it's uh, a month's build up with some games in between, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for Pete Nelson's stories in the meantime. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Pete Nelson has. Uh, Who's who of, of rugby there? Connor O'Shea, of course, coaching Italy. I mean, the lines here are everywhere. Frankly, I'm surprised that more people haven't uh, made the track down to see this game. <laughs> is there, is there, are there any other Irish journalists there, or is it just you? I, uh, I'm actually in a professor entirely by myself. Could have the the world exclusive here. Well, look, enjoy enjoy that game, Jonathan, and we will talk to you after Ireland's game against Japan at some stage over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, enjoy your time over in Japan until then. Good man. Cheers. Cheers. You're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Wimasuwa, Victoria Square Belfast, and Stockist Nationwide. To on to Ulster matters then now. Um, Jonathan has gone, but joining me on the phone now is Adam McKendry. Hello, Adam. Hey, Gareth. How are you? I'm doing not too bad. Feeling good to be back on the podcast. I know it feels like it's been a, a while. Absolutely. What have you been up to? Watching the World Cup. 
pretty much that's uh, what I've been doing and uh, covering other aspects of a job but once the World Cup started that's pretty much been my uh, my main focus We'll, we'll uh, not keep you too long because we're keeping you away from watching Pete Nelson's debut at the World Cup right now. So uh... you are. I've even I've even switched the TV off to focus on on this phone call. But, <laughs> that you know, that is commitment. I'm itching to get back. <laughs> um, so Ulster obviously get their season underway on Friday night at home to Ospreys, but we know at this stage that there are plenty of injury concerns. Six of them, <clears throat> primarily, of course, Will Allison. We know it's a hamstring issue. Do we know the length of it? And obviously he was on the cusp of potentially getting called up to the World Cup squad. So what does this mean for his hopes of being drafted into the World Cup at some stage? I'd say it makes his prospects of being drafted in very unlikely. What we're hearing is he's probably going to be out until after the South Africa trip. Mm. Uh, Ulster South Africa trip, which is rounds two and three. So... That would mean he's aiming for a return in the Cardiff Blues game on the 25th of October. Mm-hmm. And by that stage, you know, you're at the semi-finals of the World Cup. And if you're calling someone up, you want them to be fit. You want them to be fresh, firing, and mm-hmm. back with their province. And Will's going to be sitting on the sidelines, not doing much. So I would say in terms of his, his World Cup prospects, that's got to be them pretty much done, which is a real blow because... Obviously, with uh, Robbie Henshaw being out, you really thought that if that did uh, drag out into something a bit longer term and they maybe really did need to draft in a replacement, Allison would have been the next man in. Mm-hmm. And there's even talk that they bring him out to Japan and have him there on yeah. standby just in case. But I would say this, this injury pretty much ends his hopes that uh, he's going to get out to the World Cup, which mm-hmm. is a real shame. Yeah, I suppose this is what, obviously he was pulled out of Ulster's friendly and everybody at that stage is thinking, oh, he's going to Japan, but I take it that this was actually, this injury had reared its head then just before that game, had it? You know, it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I would say once Aaron discovered Henshaw's injury, there probably was a phone call made to Ulster to say yeah. something along the lines of, that either restrict what he plays in this friendly or take him out altogether mm. but at the same time it could have been the injury as well so um, I think that that was probably a precaution and maybe a bit of management from uh, the powers that be with Ireland as well mm-hmm. so uh, but at the time yeah we, we didn't know that the injury was a factor as well mm-hmm. So it's a blue for Ireland, but obviously a, a massive blue for Ulster and just for Will in general. Like he, he started off so well at Ulster for those first few months, but now he hasn't played any competitive rugby since what January. Mm-hmm. It's a huge shame for him because, as you say, he started the season so well. He became integral to that back line, and I think I think whenever he was away, you really noticed how much he was he was missing, and Ulster had a great finish this season but you even knew that he could he could provide something that they were maybe missing I mean you, you remember that uh, amazing solo try he scored last year and just it, his ability to spot a gap and especially during the World Cup his versatility in that back line would have been vital the ability to just switch him between uh, outside centre and full back he can even play wing if needed mm. I think from a, from a personal perspective, I think he'll be really gutted that his injury has kept him out mm. um, because 
if he had had a full season with Ulster last year, I think there would be very little case to be made for not taking him to the World Cup mm-hmm. because he had been so good. Yeah. And the fact that we know Joe likes him as well because he pretty much headhunted him to come come back to Ireland and take yeah. his claim for a place in the squad. So, yeah, it's one of those ones very similar to what we were talking about with Marcel Cazia. If you don't make it because someone else was better than you or better formed, you just put your hands up and you say that I didn't make it this time. Very similar to what Jack McGrath was saying to us in his first interview. He's trying to take the positives from it and move on. Mm-hmm. But whenever it's injury that keeps you out, you'll always have that, you know, what if I've been fit for the entire season? What if I, I've been able to work my way back and play in two of the warm-up games instead yeah. of just one? So uh, this, this will sting, uh, but, you know, hope Hopefully he'll be uh, he'll be stronger for it whenever he does make this comeback for Ulster. Absolutely. So under the Ulster's other injury worries, Marty Moore we're told is out with a calf injury, and the interesting aspect of that for supporters who love new signings is that Dan McFarland has said that he has cover lined up for, well, probably just the South Africa trip. Yeah, we saw this with uh, the Scarlets. I think it was, it was either last year or the year before whenever they went out to South Africa they brought in two temporary signings just to help cover the squad and I think a couple of other teams have done it as well so it's just a, just you know a, literally a two week signing for while you're away to uh, cover some injuries in the squad because it means that you know you don't have to bring six props and maybe only four of them actually have game time in, yeah. in this regard you get to bring four props and if someone gets injured well you've got someone standing by ready to come in at, at the drop of a hat so yeah and we don't and know the, who it is as yet we don't know who it is yet we, we know that they're lined up and they're there in south africa waiting ready to go you would imagine it's probably someone from one of the super rugby sides mm-hmm. who you know they're out of season and they haven't gone to the world cup so They'll be uh, sitting about waiting for uh, waiting for an opportunity to show what they can do. It uh, could be one of the high-profile Curry Cup players. Although I would say that it'll be someone of a decent standard. It won't be someone you know drafted in from a from a competition we've never heard of to play a bit part role. It'll, it'll be someone who uh, people probably know. It will not be yeah. Thomas Dutrois. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> He's been called up to the Springbok squad, which is probably one of the reasons why Ulster ended up not going for him, mm-hmm. knowing that that was the potential that he could be called up. But I, I think it'll be it'll be someone, if you, if you look at the Super Rugby uh, teams in South Africa, I would imagine it'll probably be one of those guys. Yeah. Well, the other, well, obviously that keeps Marty Moore out until after the South Africa trip. Uh, Gareth Milicinovic, we know, is out for long-term with knee ligament injury. Marcel Kutsia also, he was injured last month in action for South Africa. He was said to be out for 12 weeks, so that takes him until probably the European doubleheader in November at the earliest. He'll be back, so as well as that, we have Nick Timoney, a hand injury. Do we know how serious that is? Turns out that it has been something a little bit 
more serious. I don't think it's long term. I'll, I'll admit I don't know much about this one, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's long term. I think this is one where just at the start of the season, you don't want to play someone. You don't want to throw someone straight in there who's maybe not a hundred percent for whatever reason. And um, certainly not nothing I've heard suggests that it, it's going to be something that drags out. He'll hopefully be back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And the most important he, he one. Might, sorry, he might be in a similar boat to uh, Will Addison, where he, he maybe could return next week. Yeah. But it's one of those ones where you don't want to take him to South Africa and have him taking up a spot yeah. in your squad whenever he might not play mm-hmm. in one of the games. So he yeah. might be one that will be returning for Cardiff as well, mm-hmm. but not because it's kept him out for that long, maybe just because he's one of the guys you don't want to risk bringing to South Africa. Yeah. And the most important one for me, Rob Balakoon, is out with an ankle injury, which is devastating news for everybody. Yeah, ankle injuries are, are a really bad one for wingers. Mm. It might just be a, a not, not a terrible injury, but just whenever you consider how much turning and how much speed you need and, uh, as a winger and how much you know ankles play a big part in that and your ability to plant your feet and turn and make quick movements... Uh, and it's a shame that he's got this so young but look again we're not hearing it's anything long term we're not hearing that it's going to be too bad so again he could be another one for uh, for Cardiff maybe mm-hmm. okay so obviously everybody was uh, pontificating that Ulster might have a very nice start to the season with uh, comparatively not overly seriously impacted by the World Cup, but how seriously does this these injuries impact those hopes? I think Ulster are still a very strong squad, even with these injuries. There's no doubt that Tighthead probably take a big hit with Murr being out because he was so good and so integral to what Ulster were doing at the tail end of last season. Um, and I think... Ulster probably would have been prepared for life without Will Addison anyway because yeah. I think certainly within some circles uh, within Ulster they certainly expected him to go and I, I expected him to go to the World Cup as mm-hmm. well so I would say they've probably been prepared for him not to be there in a similar situation with Marcel Cia. so I don't think I don't think those guys are to the Ulster will be too concerned about in terms of being prepared to deal without them. I think the backline is still very well covered without Balcon, without Louis Ludic. Um, you know, you've brought Matt Faddis in, who uh, is probably the most versatile back I've ever seen. He can play uh, centre, he can play wing, he can play full back. Equally as good, you know, he's, he's more than happy to bounce about the the three of them. You've got John Cooney back at scrum half, which I think is one of the biggest things that Ulster could have gotten because um, he's just he's so important to this team from from scrum half and you've seen that over the last few years. Um, so I think Ulster are still in a very good position to make the most of this early section of fixtures and this is something that We've known for a long time. Whenever you look at they're starting, uh, they're starting sort of six games before you hit that first European game. You're talking 
Osprey's Cardiff and Zebra at home, which you would definitely expect three wins from, if not three bonus point wins. Yeah. And then cheetah, the Cheetahs and Kings on the road. Now, South Africa is always a tough trip for the travel, the acclimatizing. Um, but I think, again, you've got to be expecting them to come away with at least one win from that mm-hmm. and probably with at least six points on the board. Yeah. So it's, it's a squad that has been hindered, certainly. I, I think that, you know, the, the injuries aren't ideal, especially early in the season. But I think Ulster's squad, particularly with the, uh, with the recruitment that's been done this summer, uh, has really set them up to have a real strong start to the season. You know, you look at Sam Carter, who's coming in, and he's going to be playing a big role early on. And he's a quality operator with mm-hmm. senior and pre-season just how good he's he's been and he's going to come in he's going to run the line out with uh, with Ian Henderson away at the World Cup you know you see Jack McGrath coming in that's a huge boost for them as well getting McGrath uh, back from Ireland camp him not having to go to the World Cup he's going to get time mm-hmm. to get bedded in to get settled in and really hit the ground running and I think he's going to be class above every other loose head playing in the Pro 14 over the next few weeks just, mm-hmm. yeah. just because season in general for Ulster obviously last year probably went above and beyond all expectations getting the the knockout matches going so close to beating Leinster Uh, what should we be expecting this season Okay, well, we can uh, 
drop a game here because we've got off to such a good start this season. You saw mm-hmm. it was Connacht whenever they won the league. They just went out and had a really good start during the World Cup. Ulster in a really good position to do the same. And then you can ride that momentum during the rest of the season. So I, I wouldn't say their season depends on their first six games, but I think a lot of what Ulster can do this season stems from how well they start. If they get off to this good start, then it looks like it's possible they could. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the momentum behind you. You've got the guys coming back from the World Cup. You can have a few more young guys coming through in the first six games. I mean, James Hume is really impressive in pre-season. He looks like someone who could potentially t- kick on this season mm-hmm. um, if his pre-season form is anything to go by. And there's potential for him to do that in these first few games. So I think they're a year further along in Dan McFarland's plan. They're a year further along with some of these young players that have really impressed. They've got a favourable fixture list. I think they've got quite a favourable Champions Cup pool as well. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much into that because we're still very far away from that and a lot can happen, but I think that's quite a favourable pool for them. Mm-hmm. If they can get off to a good start, get that momentum behind them, get that winning feeling into the dressing room, because you've got to remember, it's, it's been a while since they've played a competitive game. You know, we're, we're bordering on, what, not five months, or four, four or five months since they've actually played a competitive game. So get a couple of wins under your belt, get that winning feeling into the dressing room, and go from there. I think this season they've got to be aiming, they've definitely got to be aiming for the Pro 14 knockouts. That is the bare minimum. And I think quietly in the dressing room, they'll probably be thinking we should be in the European knockouts as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that's probably a realistic game for them too. So I think if they replicate what they did last season, I think think that's probably where they'll be happy with. And then they'll be they'll be thinking that they could go further and I think this team could go further Absolutely, a season to to look forward to and plenty to look forward to this weekend we should mention Ulster A play Ospreys A on Friday at Malone's Gibson Park Uh, they're going into that off the back of a 43-31 win uh, over Dragons last week so going in a good one well, so if, you're, kick off. if you're heading to the Ulster Ospreys Pro 14 game, mm-hmm. uh, there is time for you to go to the A game beforehand. Perfect. It's a, it's a five minute walk down to Kingsfield Stadium from Gibson Park. So it's, you can get both. Um, it's um, almost like somebody planned that. Almost. almost. It's, it's almost like somebody had the good idea of putting <laughs> two games at the right time. Like the, the A team are going really well. And that's something else that I think a lot of people are overlooking. Now. They, they were hammered by Leicester, which everyone seems to have done, so uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But the Ulster A team is going really well right now, and that, again, bodes well for the future. You know, mm. you look at some of the young guys coming through, Nathan Doak, the son of Neil Doak, yeah. you know, he's still in school, and he's starting a scrum half for them. He's forced mm. Graham Curtis onto the wing because there's so much potential in Nathan Doak, so yeah. he's one to look out for. Look at some of the guys in the back row, Ezer Allison, uh, David McCann in the back row have been playing really well. Marcus mm-hmm. Ray's dropped down from the from the 
senior squad to captain the A team and seems to be doing really well. See, there's a lot of potential in that A team. I think a lot of people should be getting really excited about. It looks yeah. like it's not confirmed, but if they get a bonus point win against the Ospreys, uh, their development side on Friday, they'll be more or less in the fi- in the final, which again would be against Leinster down in yeah. Dublin. But you know, it's it's a sign of how well things are bleeding down from the senior mm-hmm. squad into the A team that. Now the A team is becoming competitive as well. Now there are young players in that team who are really hungry to play a part, really hungry to impress. And they can see from the likes of Michael Lowry, James Hugh, Rob Balakoon, Eric O'Sullivan, if you play well for the A team, you will get your chance in the senior mm-hmm. squad. And yeah. that for me is the biggest thing. They've provided a quality second team now that is acting as a bridge between the All-Ireland League to the Pro 14 and the, the coaching staff are genuinely sending the players look, if you impress us at that at this bridge level we will give you your chance mm-hmm. in the senior squad and mm-hmm. paying dividends for the senior squad so the A-team is taking on a much much more significant role in the in the organisation mm-hmm. Absolutely so you will be at Ulster's game against Ospreys on Friday night, live blogging for us on the website. So anybody looking for the updates can indeed go there. And then myself and Jonathan will be doing the live blog of the Ireland game on Saturday morning. So get to the Belfast Telegraph website and buy the paper. We have it all covered. So Adam, thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate it. We'll let you get back to watching Canada and we shall talk to you very soon. Thanks very much, guys. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Adam. Bye. You've been listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide.